This is part two, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> hey guys, part one. Or, this episode is very long, so we split it into two parts. Here's part two. <laughs> oh yeah. my god. Um, so, where last we left off, Yuki was um, sobbing in a hallway, and spiritually, so was I. What happens fucking next? Oh my god. Yuki. Okay, so what happens next is the head of the flower falls off, and we're told by Teen Yuki that this is where he starts getting really sick. Yeah. Um, which, again, as I was talking about the flower of just, like, how, like, the petals falling off the flower representing, like, his hope dying, basically, his self-worth kind of diminishing... Um, and the, and here the head just falls off the flower because he just, he gets so sick and I don't even, he clearly from the very beginning of this illness doesn't really care to get better. Like what I was saying earlier is like, what is hurting so much about earlier is that he can't be apathetic. Like it's, it's the lack of apathy that causes him so much pain is here. I think he just gives in to protect himself, um, is when... Like, that was kind of a breaking point, and now, just in order to, like, be in a livable amount of pain, he's just kind of, like, I don't know, just surrendered to whatever. He's shut down. Um, and I think, like, this physical sickness kind of reminds me of Ren, and that I think they're, they both are, like, sickly children, and it's both, I think, pretty closely, like, pretty strongly affected by their emotional states as well. So. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't, like, this, like, illness, like, obviously, like, he has, he has underlying symptoms. Um, but I think this is very closely tied to his emotional well-being and how he has no emotional well-being. <laughs> he's, and I also, it was brutal to just, like, he's sick, he's been sick. He's not getting better. And then, like, people are like, where are his fucking parents? And they're on vacation. And how about his older brother? And Ayame was just like, what? I guess. Okay, whatever. Like, no one cares. Like, the only per- finally, the only person who goes, to so- who goes to see Yuki is Akito, who isn't exactly a comforting bedside presence as we see as they stand here as they stand there and mock him (laughs) i there was something just like so chilling like i think like yeah we earlier see akito snap and then now we see i feel like we see this very different person post uh, breakdown where Akito comes in and is like, "Are you going to die?" And they're kind of smiling, and then they're like, "Yuki doesn't say anything, doesn't move," and they're like, "Oh, you're no fun," which I think really kind of compounds that like Yuki is like a toy, and they've stopped seeing Yuki as like, "Oh, you're the one closest to me, so I want to spend time with you." To like, you are like a thing I have, and if you are not fun, like what, mm-hmm. like what's your value? Yeah. I also, like, think it's, like, like, you can tell, like, just how much Akito breaks from that, from, from what happened, um, and that even in this situation, Akito is asserting dominance. It's not not necessary, but 
they just they have to they have to be like the the superior one in the room at all times um want to talk about why akito's juggling <laughs> by the way because akito doesn't fucking give a shit about yuki um <laughs> i think it's like i don't know i thought it was interesting that they like added it because it's not in the manga it's huh, an added okay thing. i don't i you've read the manga more recently than I did. I read it like a year ago, but you did a whole annotated read through recently. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it, I mean, I think it's a little bit of like the toy metaphor a little bit. Um, like that mm-hmm. Yuki stops being Akito's playmate and becomes Akito's plaything. Um, and so Akito goes in and is like, this toy is broken. I'm going to juggle. Yeah. No, I, I had written something similar that, like, it's just reflective that they think of Yuki as a toy. And also maybe that, uh, like, going back to, like, Akito being the one who manipulates the situation. Um, like, Akito's the one in charge, but, yeah. All of these different- Akito's got a lot of, uh, Zodiac members to traumatize. <laughs> They've got yeah. a full schedule. <laughs> <laughs> But after this, we're going to go traumatize Corono. Christ. <laughs> Literally. Oh. Then Akito's like, time to just really lay into this bitch. Um, yeah. Like, I, I don't even you, know. You're sick. You want to hear about a bunch of people who killed themselves? Like, it's just like, well, yeah, like, let's, Kyo's mom killed themselves killed herself and you know Kyo totally blames you he wants to kill you and then kill himself um also Haru says that he hates you and you're the reason everyone thinks he's a fucking idiot so basically you make everyone's life worse and terrible you are a beacon of suffering and you inflict it upon the world by on people you've barely even spoken to but just you being alive is like a fucking radiation event of suffering which is awful and uh yuki obviously believes all of it because again he has no reason why wouldn't he to not believe literally everything akito has ever told him um so that's great yeah also then like compounded with like being punished for having weakness and like feeling responsible for being being treated as responsible for being sick and stuff is like yeah yuki will totally uh own up and take responsibility for a bunch of shit that has nothing to do with him yeah so i was gonna say that akito like brings up the concept of suicide in this scene and then in the very next scene is the scene where yuki starts to seriously contemplate if he if living is worth it anymore. Which is so sad because he's like, what, how, eight? Nine? It's seven, between seven and nine, I think. It's, th- that scene where he puts on the hat is rough. And, like, you can tell he is, like, really, like, at the end of his rope. Definitely, like, I feel like I, until I saw the show, I didn't realize how loaded Yuki's runaway was with, like, suicidal ideation. 
Um, but definitely this made it click for me, uh, is that he's definitely, like, he feels like just by living, just by existing, he makes the world worse. And if his existence is miserable and it makes other people miserable and he's just, yeah, been, hey, you know what's something people do? Sometimes they kill themselves by Akito. So it's just like, he's got every, all of the components laid out right there for him. And, but I think that like, he's a little young to really, yeah, it's fucking heartbreaking and he's a small child. Uh, so I, he doesn't quite, I think, have the capacity fully to be as actively suicidal as if maybe this had happened to him when he was older. Um, which is why I think why he, it's like he's running away and he's like, I don't know what I was doing. I don't know if I was trying to cheer myself up or hurt myself. Um, I just needed to like leave. No, I agree. I think he is definitely like, and I, and that's why he doesn't say it. Like, he's not like, I'm going to kill myself or I want to commit suicide. Like he, he's much too young to be able to like conceptualize that. Um, but yeah, this, um, I, well, I've read this chapter many, many times, so I knew, (laughs) but like the anime, like hearing it acted and animated and stuff does make it a lot more intense especially like the moment when he like runs out um is so like frantic and loaded and it really like i think it's a very like i mean he like he says like he doesn't know why he's doing it but i think it is a last ditch attempt to see if there is just like any reason Mm -hmm. anything to make life worth living and that's why he leaves the estate yeah huh and thank fucking god he does uh because um hat 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 story which i feel like i definitely have enjoyed more watching the anime than i ever have before i think when i read the manga as a kid and even when i reread it like a year ago or so um it was like a little like this is a little like weird and melodramatic and i don't necessarily like that everyone's like been connected since they were really little kids and stuff i'm like but i think like i think with the hat story it actually works pretty well um for a couple of reasons because like this is this like pivotal moment where yuki realizes that he's capable of bringing more than just suffering to people because he's been consistently told that he makes other people's lives worse. That other people not only hate him, but they hate him because he's hurt them in some way, even though he hasn't done anything to them. Like, that he hurts people by existing, and here he helps this, like, random little girl get reunited with her loving mother, and he's like, oh, fuck, moms can be loving? I didn't know that. Which is like... (laughs) <laughs> testament to the kinds of mothers you see in the zodiac uh, in the fucking soma family uh but yeah and it's like they're clearly so happy to be reunited and it's this like it's proof that he has the capacity to bring good into the world and i think it's like tied into like way in the future the way he's like doing like he's got his little garden and that he can take care of things and he can see things grow and it's like a little thing he can do to himself to prove he's capable of affecting positive change instead of just like being a beacon of sorrow 
yeah no you like totally hit it exactly on the head and i think i think it works specifically that it's toru because he says this thing like it's okay if you forget and it's like whatever i'm glad i was able to do just just this one thing but the fact that she remembers and she carries this hat with her for the rest of his life is like oh when he like runs into her when he sees the hat he's like oh shit like not only was I able to bring like a brief moment of something good into someone's life like i did something that left a, left a lasting positive impact on some on someone that they like remembered it and they remembered this good thing i did for them and that yeah yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um yeah, agree. 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 Um I think that if it, agree. <laughs> I think if the hat thing was the only instance in the manga of weird coincidental meetings, I wouldn't mind it at all. Because like you said, like like it is this moment where he realizes that he is capable of having a positive impact on the world and that it is Toru, and she remembers, and that it was a lasting impact, I think, like, is significant, mm-hmm. um, but just, like, because there's so many coincidental meetings in Fruits Basket, it, it's uh, a little, like, overkill. It out. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, this is definitely the one that I mind, like, the least. Me too. I think it's, <laughs> it adds yeah. the most to the story. Yeah, uh, yeah, agree. Um, also, um, Kyoko's lines about her description of Toru to the police officers, hearing it out loud made me scream. It was so fucking funny. I love Kyoko. Kyoko is so good. We love, (laughs) she's, I also, like, yeah, that made me scream because she was just like, my daughter's fucking cute and she's got cute brown hair. She's cute and she's cute and she's cute and she's Um, cute. And then I also. (laughs) Is that good enough? I love that she's like, if anything happened to her, I'll fucking kill someone, which I just love, I love Kyoko. I love that she's, like, become this, like, uh, super doting mother, but then she still is extremely an ex-gang member. <laughs> and it's just good. Oh my god, she's, she's amazing. She's such a good character. I wish, honestly, sometimes, I mean, Fruits Basket is really fucking long. It doesn't need more things. If anything, it could probably use a little <laughs> trimming down. But uh, sometimes I'm like, damn, I love Kyoko. Wish I saw more of her. Um, wish she wasn't fucking dead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also we get a cute little baby rat, Yuki, which I think might be the last time we see anyone transform. Maybe. If I'm remembering correctly. I don't know. You have a better memory for these kinds of things than I. Yeah. Um, he's just a cute little he's rat. A cute little rat. That's all I have to say about little that. Little baby rat. <laughs> I showed I showed Anna the gif set because I was like he's cute, um, and she was like I feel like the fact that he's a rat is really taking away from the emotion for me, and I was like that's fair. She didn't watch the episode, but I was like out of the context of the episode, like that is fair. Love, <laughs> listeners, to clarify, Sophie is talking about her friend Anna from college, because um, you you just yeah sorry my best friend who like. My best friend, Anna, who read First Basket as a kid and watched the original anime, but um, hasn't watched the reboot, yeah. and just has to listen to me talk about it all the yeah. time. <laughs> um, so, just for people who don't know who she is by name. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, like, say who okay. she is. I, I, sorry. Fine, whatever. Um, and that's the end of the flashback. 
Yui. Wah. <laughs> I, I don't know what the fuck that was. I'm, you know, even recording for a while. <laughs> I'm fucking crying. Um, Yui Wah indeed. <laughs> Oh my god, this episode made us crazy. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Moving on. Meanwhile, Kakeru Kakeru has been sitting in silence next to Yugi for for the past 20 (laughs) minutes as he has a fucking trauma flashback and stares into space, most likely. And he's like, um, hello? (laughs) Hey, buddy? Weren't you gonna, like... Tell me something pitiful and pathetic. <laughs> You've just been sitting here in silence, and I've just been sitting here next to you. He's patient. He's... <laughs> yeah. He's a good boy. I mean, I think he, like, definitely knows that Yuki is, like, <laughs> freaking out more than he's yeah. letting on. 20-yard stare. Um. Yeah. No, he's, like, having, like, a full-on, like, like I said, PTSD flashback. Yeah. He is. And Kakeru just chilling, watching the soccer game. Yup. <sighs> um, and so what I wanted to say about that was, um, like, he still, like, he, like, the way that he, like, thinks about, like, the, his, his feelings and, like, these memories and his feelings about them is, again, just saying that he is, like, weak and it's pathetic and like it just like he's like so traumatized and he can't get out from under everything that has happened to him but he doesn't have and and also he has like just started processing all of this like up until very recently these were all memories that he was actively repressing and he doesn't have the language to comprehend like what has happened to him and also the fact that like everything that has happened is totally shrouded in secrecy like it's not really something that he could explain to kakeru without explaining the curse um and yeah it just like sucks like that he views his own depression and anxiety and the way that he's reacting to his trauma as a personal failure Wish, wish. But I personally think that he has come yeah. extremely far, and I'm very impressed that he's able to come as far as he does without no, professional help. No, I think one of um, one of the notes I wrote just as I was watching was that Yuki is remarkably kind in the face of everything that's happened to him. Like, the fact that he's been treated with such disdain or hatred and still like throughout the whole thing like all like what he wanted was to like do something nice for someone like that's what like meant so much to him like that he like I think like the way you respond to trauma is like what it like I I don't I don't think there's like someone is like morally better than someone else just like like the fact that Yuki becomes really reserved and shut down from his trauma, and Kyo becomes really angry. Like, I don't think, like, there is necessarily any, like, they're both good people, and they're both just coping with the terrible situation. But I think the fact that 
even though Yuki doesn't perceive himself as a kind person, the fact that all of the things that really make a difference to him and really, like, help him in low moments and start to show him his way out is proving to himself that he's, like, can do good things for other people and, like, be a nice person is just, like, wow, Yuki's, like, remarkably strong to come out of this, like, wanting to be kind and like wow i don't i don't know how you could like the fact that he doesn't become so like angry and bitter or like to basically anyone except kyo um is yeah. remarkable yeah he's very strong and he's like f- for two years considering how much fucking psychological damage his childhood did to him like he has i think like progressed exceptionally fast like in his ability to like be a functional human being and like you know like season one yuki would not have gone walking around in uh the school trip with his friends taking photos and being like wow someday i'm gonna look back on this and smile yeah (sighs) yeah Oh, yeah, I was going to say that, because you brought it up, this all ended, yeah, like, two years ago. Like, this was extremely recent. hmm He's a junior in high school, and he moved out, like, in ninth grade, I think, and he, now he's in 11th grade. Yeah. Fucking insane. Like, he really hasn't, and, like, uh, and the when he goes to visit Haru in the beginning of the season is the first time he goes back to the Soma estate since he moved out. So, like, he is very, yeah, progressing extremely fast. Um, so here he admits... <sighs> Yuki admitting that he wanted Kyo to like him is fucking huge. <sighs> Speaking of growth. Ow. And the shots that they use of just, like, Kyo's just, like, twisted, angry face. And... Like, Yuki just wiping his own expression off his face in response. It's so fucking sad. Yeah, the two of them, like, their whole relationship is just, like, one big tragedy. Yeah. Like, it's just so clear how much they have in common and how much they could potentially, like, gain from having someone to bond with over going through something like that. And the fact that they just, like their relationship was ruined by the people around them. It's fucking Mm -hmm. terrible. Sad. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and then I was saying, like, it, like, I also like this episode in the function that it shows, like, I mean, we know from the very beginning pretty much why Kyo hates Yuki. But we don't really know why Yuki hates Kyo, just that, other than, like, Kyo's mean to him. Um, but, like, yeah, like, this episode, like, talks a lot about, like, Yuki, Yuki's jealousy over Kyo, that he does have this, like, instant attraction to him, and he's jealous of all of these things, and then every single one of their interactions is Kyo just screaming insults at him, and they're insults that I'm sure Kyo doesn't know, but there are insults that, like, really are a weak spot for Yuki and, like, really, really hurt him. 
And so the only, and so like by fighting Keobath, like he is protecting himself and he's shifting the, he's shifting the focus from his insecurities to Keo's, which is the reason that like everything, like all of the insults that Yuki throws at Keo are seriously harsh. Like they're fucking mean. Um, but it's the only way, it's one, the only way that he can cope with Keo saying all this shit about him. And two, he's mirroring the way that Kyo treats him. Yeah. Um, even if Kyo doesn't know that he's going for Yuki's weak spots, like, Yuki does. And so he's just copying him. And again, like, Yuki never learned how to interact socially. And I think, like, especially, like, as a young child, when they would get in fights like this, like, I know they would, like, fight in elementary and middle school, he's just mimicking what's happening to him. Mm-hmm. Because he doesn't have any other frame of reference. Yeah. And it's not like he has any problem-solving skills either. Yeah. And I think, like, Yuki sort of... Kyo- yeah, Yuki is, for the most part, remarkably sweet, uh, considering every terrible thing that's ever happened to him. But I, he does have the one sort of weak spot of Kyo being kind of the subject of his frustrations and basically the only person he's ever mean to um and it's kind of i think both yeah you see like their whole history and how kind of the circumstances were easy for easily fostered resentment for kyo but also i think it's like kyo is able to be the one person yuki feels superior to Um, the same way that, like, Kagura's, like, oh, you know, my life isn't so bad, because at least I'm not the cat, and, like, I think Yuki knows that his life necessarily wasn't that much better, er, than Kyo's, and that, like, they both basically had really shitty lives, it's kind of still, like, well, it's, like, someone I can kind of beat on a little bit, since, like, all that's happened his entire life is people have beat on him to feel better, um, and it's him kind of expressing that behavior that he's been experiencing his whole life. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, that, like, Kyo is the only one that Yuki can feel superior to, because Yuki has an enormous superior su- superiority complex when it comes to Kyo. Yeah. Which is obviously, like, influenced a lot by just, like, the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if he's going to feel superior to someone, it's going to be the guy who constantly tries to tear him down. Yeah. But Yuki knows within the family that others view him in a much higher regard than they view Kyo. Yeah, because even though people, like, people have been extremely abusive to Yuki his entire childhood, like, you don't see this in this episode, but in other episode, you overhear staff members talking about, like, both how Kyo is, like, the pits, because, I don't know, that's a normal thing to say about a child, and how Yuki is, like, a prodigy, and <laughs> went to martial arts and, like, quickly yeah. became really talented and better. Like, so it's, like, people are constantly, like, casually feeding Yuki that he's better than Kyo, and then every time he interacts with Kyo, Kyo is extremely mean to him, so it's, like, well, yeah, I am yeah. better than this bitch. Like, Also, there's the fact that Yuki beats him in every fight. Which is, I don't, this is, like, the, I, I, okay, I'm not gonna say this is canon, but, like, I think that it's because of the curse. That Kyo cannot beat Yuki. I think yeah. it's, like, 
I think it's a curse thing because I don't think they're I don't think Akito I don't think Akito would have made the deal if Kyo would actually be able to ever beat Yuki. And it's a good um, point. Also, Kyo's been in Marsh is literally like fucking raised by uh, yes. a professional martial artist and has been training basically his entire life and way more intensely than Yuki ever has. Kyo is also physically bigger, works out all the time. Yuki is like kind of frail and sickly, so I think there like has to be a magical reason that Yuki can always whoop Kyo's ass. Um considering <laughs> yeah. like Kyo is generally speaking understood to be an extremely talented martial artist in basically every other single situation. I think it's a curse thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's a, an implication. Yeah. I liked the bit where Yuki is like, uh, I like, I have, or I guess this is when he starts talking about Toru. Um, but it's not like the very end mm-hmm. of it. It's like he realizes that the world is not all dark and he's like I had been told that everything was black and it was going to be terrible and dark forever and then I had this experience and it made me realize that like there is good in the world and there is light and then it got bad again and I liked that detail and I liked that this is like how the story functions is that it wasn't like Yuki had a terrible childhood and then this thing happened to him and he realized that there was good in the world and he was able to like move forward from that, but I like that it's like not a linear progression for Yuki. That he has this revelation, it kind of pulls him out of like the rock bottom, but when he surfaces back into a terrible situation, so there's no way he could have like actually recovered, even knowing that now Akito isn't necessarily always telling the truth. He's still trapped in that dark place with Akito, and so. I like it's like an element of nuance and realism that just like I think enhances Fruits Basket is that it's like messy and complicated and it took Yuki a really long time to get out of the place he was in. I also like that Yuki is like gray themed like his color is gray and silver and then he has this like bit where it's like there is darkness in the world the world is in a beautiful place but it's also not like a terrible black room of sorrow there's stuff in between. Yuki is gray, which is in between white and black. I just, I thought that was fun. Nice. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah, I agree with you. I like that they show, like, that it's not, like, like, sometimes things get bad again. And also, like, this all happens before he goes mute, from what I figure. Yeah, I think so. So things clearly got extremely bad again. And also things clearly got extremely bad again because Haru went out of his way to ask for Yuki to be taken out of the estate. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, within the show, like, Yuki clearly is, like, starts doing a lot better in season one, and then in season two, he starts going back into a really dark place during Lake House, and now he's in a better place, but then this happens, and I'm sure that this is a pretty bad fucking day for yeah. him. <laughs> and, like, um, no, I like it. It's good. It is good. It's nuanced, and it's realistic. Um, but yeah, I thought his speech about Toru was extremely beautiful, um, and very well delivered. Shame is Akiyama die for you. Mm-hmm. I, I'm contractually obligated to say that every week now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know, like, you could just tell, like, he just, like, loves Toru so deeply, 
And I love that, like, he has this relationship like this. And I think that, like, you can tell that he's very thankful that she's in his life. And that she gives him this, like, unconditional love and acceptance that he's yearned for his entire life. And, um, yeah, I just think that they have a very beautiful relationship. And I like that Yuki finally gets to a point where he can recognize what exactly it is that he's feeling for her. And that he doesn't have to, like, force himself to feel something that he feels is expected from him societally. Um, and that he can just have this relationship with her that is more, like, just, like, an unconditional love between friends. Mm-hmm. Fruits Basket is definitely something I appreciate about it. Is that, obviously, it has one of the best love stories of all time in it. But it also gives equal... It shows that, like friendships and platonic relationships or familial relationships can be just as transformative um, in someone's life as a romantic relationship could. Like, Kyo's life was very transformed by Toru showing uh, him unconditional love and also loving him roman- loving him romantically, but Yuki's life was transformed by Toru just, like, loving him unconditionally as a friend. Um that Toru finally was, like, the first person that accepted him and was actively kind to him, like, finally kind of gave him those first couple tools he needed to start, like, clawing his way out of the hole he was in, you know? And she's she's been there supporting him the entire way. They love each other so much. It's a beautiful, beautiful relationship. It makes me think of the moment in the second episode where, the second episode of the first season, where she's saying, well, if my memories get erased, will you befriend me again? Mm-hmm. Like, I think, like, like that, like, that line, like, that changed his life. Mm-hmm. And, like, she changed his life. I mean, they changed each other's lives. They're, like, both, like, obviously, like, mutually beneficial relationship. Um, because she also loves him very much. And... I'm, like, getting emotional just talking about it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think, like, this show focuses more on the impact that Toru has in the Zodiac members' lives. But I think it also, like, Toru was in a really dark place when she befriended Yuki. Like, her mom had just died. She was fucking homeless. Like, she was being really cheerful and whatever because that's how she copes is she like shoves every negative emotion she can possibly ever think of into a box in the back of her head but she was clearly not in a good place and like yuki's kindness and like being a friend to her like gave her like a physical and sort of emotional shelter yeah yeah wow friendship is beautiful Yeah, this episode was crazy good. Yeah. This episode was so fucking good. I feel like I need to, like, lie down for an hour now. I know, I need, like, a drink. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm, like, gonna have a drink after this. I have to do my fucking biostats um, lab, Sophie. Please, listeners, pity me. Awful. <laughs> pity me. Okay, yeah. Oh, shall you take us? I think we're through. I think. Is there anything else you have to say about the episode? No, it was good and I loved it. And oh man, yeah, (laughs) that's it.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Check us out on Twitter and Tumblr at SoMoSoGood. If there's anything you want to ask us or anything you want us to discuss, just hit us up on social media. Thanks and see you next time.